The following is a short clarification to this Silicon Slaves episode. It will only make sense if you've listened to that episode, so don't bother with this until you have. I've received massive feedback to my Silicon Slaves episode. Now, most of it has been really positive, but there are those that had the audacity to question me. Those that feel that they must show me the errors of my ways. And frankly, I got tired of typing the same response over and over again, so here's my preemptive strike against future emails. I felt for that episode that I needed to use numerous examples to make my case, but I, I think I focused more on the examples and less explaining my point in a few instances. I may have just come across as bitching and moaning, which was not my intention at all. That episode was actually very near and dear to me. No, my father wasn't killed by bad software, but, uh, well, the first thing I need to respond to is that some of my listeners are software developers themselves and suggest that maybe a lowly podcaster might not understand the issues that developers face. It was suggested that as just some guy, maybe I have no right to judge those that create the applications I use. I mean, after all, how could a user know what they want? Well, I'm going to let everyone in on a secret. Sort of. I am a software developer. I got my first computer at age 9 and immediately started learning how to program it. I started off wanting to know how to write 2D games, and over my many years I made knockoffs of Pac-Man, Gauntlet, Joust, Solar Warrior, if anybody remembers that, various driving games, etc, etc. I was more interested in understanding the technical mechanics that comprise the game more than wanting to develop an entirely new game, so I just made knockoffs. But gaming is not the industry I went into. That was just something I did because... Well, I'm a computer nerd, and sitting in front of a computer and writing code is actually enjoyable to me. And as an adult on my own, I've written image editing applications, several media players, both video and audio, and even a money management package. But at my day job, I tend to do more mundane tasks with desktop applications. I've been project lead of at least eight long-term software projects, many starting from a blank slate, but some picking up simply with the next version. And I won't bore you further with my resume, but I will say that I understand the issues of software development. I understand that it's a constant battle between the schedule, manpower, and features. These are things I struggle with every day. But over the last several years, I've been focusing on the issues I described in that episode. And since I've had the luxury of working on several new projects, I have specifically designed a foundation that allows for the concepts I've referred to. Yeah, oftentimes with older code, it really doesn't allow for some of these changes. And I did say that I knew this. But when you make a new app, take the user into consideration. Doing so can make task-oriented, user-centric designs much easier. And honestly, doing this upfront work can make a good app take no longer to implement. Because it was designed properly upfront. Yes, I know, many developers don't design code. That's a shame. Anyway, that's just to point out that I am qualified to make these judgments. First item. I mentioned Firefox should just restore your last session instead of asking for confirmation. People immediately pointed out that, what if a website crashes Firefox? You don't want Firefox in an endless cycle, do you? As you restart it, it crashes, restart, it crashes, restart, crash. Okay, let's think about this. Forget the restoration feature. You, as a user, visit a website, and suddenly your browser crashes. What do you do next? I'll bet the next thing you do is start your browser and then go back to that site. If it crashes again, then I bet you stop going to that site. At that point, you would probably conclude that that site is in fact crashing my browser. I know that's what I would do. So could uh, Firefox remember that, hey, I was at sites A, B, and C, and I crashed. Then I restored sites A, B, and C, and I crashed again. Maybe now I should bother the user because there probably is a problem. I know there's some potential gotchas there with timing since sites are dynamic and it might not crash immediately, but I'm confident someone can solve that problem. This would prevent it from being in an infinite loop, and it would also mimic exactly what most users would do.
but also this is an exception. Normally when I use the restore feature, it's not that a site crashed my browser. I don't know what it is, but it isn't the site directly because when I do a restore, everything is fine. In fact, I can't remember the last time I visited a site that actually crashed my browser. Usually it's just some random fluke for me. Now, it has been pointed out that some sites, such as online stores, use transactions where if you revisit a page, you could be charged twice. That's a very valid problem that the Firefox team can do nothing about. I completely forgot about these sorry sites, of which I've only seen a handful over the years. It's my understanding that this is rare. Most sites don't have a problem with this. But even if it's not rare, this problem must be corrected. This is unacceptable, and it's the kind of crap that I'm referring to where computers need to be more intelligent. I mean, this is a case where a user could easily have bad consequences just because they hit refresh on their browser? I mean, forget the restore feature. The user just hits refresh and they got charged twice? I know, developers would say, why did you hit the refresh button? And a user would say that the concept of hitting refresh being a dangerous operation makes no sense. But I can see that's a valid point. But I will point out that I use the restore feature a lot. Usually after Windows needs to restart after an update because I keep 10 tabs of common sites I visit always open. But I've never thought twice about restoring my last session and accidentally having an account charged twice. Do you see the problem? Yeah, there's a potential for a bad problem with the restore. But putting that responsibility into the user's hand is the wrong place. The user probably isn't aware of the dangers. I mean, I'm a developer and I frankly forgot about the issue. And I certainly wouldn't have ever thought twice about restoring a site and being charged twice. So I could have easily been bitten by this. But asking me for confirmation wouldn't have stopped it. Also, when I said it could offer a cancellation mechanism, I, I didn't mean that Firefox has to immediately display the site. I mean, it could be a countdown to the restoration that you cancel. Preferably not in a modal dialogue. Another issue that many took exception with was my comment on brake lights, about how they shouldn't come on immediately just because a user is slightly depressing them, but not actually applying the brakes. It was pointed out that these serve as early warning systems and must engage immediately to avoid accidents. Have you ever been behind someone whose turn signal was on for just miles and miles? After the first mile, do you, do you keep thinking they're going to turn? Do you get into a defensive posture waiting for their left turn? I doubt it. I know I just tuned it out after two miles. The purpose of a turn signal is to signal the driver's intention to turn. If it's on all the time, it's not a signal of anything. The same is true for brake lights. When they're constantly on, they are no longer a signal. They do not indicate the driver's intentions. But now I have to clarify something that I, I just didn't do a good job here. When I said the brake light should be activated... Only when the user really wants to stop. Okay, I'm thinking of a computerized brake system like anti-lock brakes. To really oversimplify this, in anti-lock brakes, a computer applies and disengages your brakes dozens if not hundreds of times a second. This keeps your brakes from locking up because the car doesn't apply constant pressure. The system is already computerized and operating very fast. So my suggestion of not showing the brakes when the car is not slowing down is a decision being made at the sub-millisecond level. I certainly wasn't thinking that the brakes must be fully depressed and there's a two-second delay before the lights come on. The car knows it hasn't applied the brakes. When it does apply the brakes, turn the light on. I'm suggesting link the light with the brakes, not the pedal. Since in these computerized systems, the pedal tells the computer to apply the brakes. Oversimplification. At least in some cars, the pedal being depressed even one-eighth of an inch does not engage the brakes, but it does turn on the lights. And obviously my suggestion won't work for non-computerized braking systems such as those found in a beat-up old Vega. Semi-off topic and just for kicks, the reason why I was so late with this last episode was that I had a series of really unfortunate events related to cars. 
I had a dead battery and was trapped for seven and a half hours, a tire blowout. Then while sitting completely still at a stoplight with my brakes engaged, and thus my brake light was on, a lady talking on a cell phone plowed into me from behind. So my brake light really didn't help me here at all. Neither did the fact that I was sitting completely still. Then later I got a rental car and it got a flat tire, and the included tire iron was so small I couldn't get any leverage to change the tire, so I had to wait on roadside assistance yet again. There's actually more to this, but that was my August. One issue after another with cars eating up large quantities of my time. But anyway. Now you could point out that I repeatedly said that computers should not work for the exceptional case, and that the rare person riding their brakes is the exception. True. I was trying to be subtle, and that's never a good idea when being persuasive. The too subtle point I was trying to make was that when the exceptional case causes massive problems, such as the potential for an accident, and you can correct it in a non-intrusive manner, go for it! Maybe I'm rare, but when someone's turn signal is on for miles, I ignore it. If their brake lights don't coincide with a speed reduction over several miles, I begin to ignore them too. It's not doing its intended purpose. At this point, it's as much of an early warning system as your headlights, and I say sets up an even more dangerous situation because it's a lie. They're not stopping, and you're going to ignore it, and then potentially run into them when they do stop. I also received feedback from developers that their users really are stupid, and therefore you have to confirm everything and give them warnings constantly. I contend that it's human nature to ignore things you see all the time. You build up muscle memory so that doing an operation that always requires a confirmation becomes two clicks in your mind, one to initiate and one to confirm. You always do two clicks out of habit. The user gets used to it and never reads the confirmation. I personally have numerous times acknowledged some confirmation and immediately realized that I didn't want to do that. I did it out of habit because I see that damn confirmation a hundred times a day and I always answer yes. A single undo is worth a million confirmations. Besides, I actually look at the case of the quote, idiot user, end quote, as a challenge. When someone is trying to use a feature way beyond how it was intended to be used, or in a manner that causes problems, rather than call them an idiot, I think, could I have provided them some feedback so they never would have even thought they could have done whatever it is they did? Often just disabling options that don't apply is enormously helpful. I mean, the person truly believed they could do something. No, that's not what the developer had in mind, but rather than let my arrogance get in the way and think that I can possibly know everything, I recognize that I obviously don't know everything. It doesn't reflect bad on me because I didn't design the perfect interface out the gate. But it does make me look like a jerk if people tell me they're having problems and I just ignore them and tell them to do it my way. And trust me, many users think developers are arrogant jerks. You can never please everyone, but I try to shoot for at least 80%, and I try to focus on making sure that other 20% can't screw themselves up in some horrible fashion. I will brag here and say that I have repeatedly received applause from my users because I made the application much more helpful. If you think you get an ego boost because you think you designed a really great app, trust me, the boost is even bigger when your users agree with you. Many developers, due to office politics, the schedule, their boss, etc., won't have the opportunity to give their app that extra polish. That's a shame, but that's often reality, and I recognize that. But just because a goal is hard to reach doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Lastly, I would like to thank the many people that emailed me saying that many of the issues that I was talking about are not present on Macs, and perhaps I should give them a try. Uh, thanks, but, uh, I already switched to Macs about three years ago. And as a developer, I was in awe with how well Macs handle multitasking. Frankly, Windows is terrible at multitasking. I mean, with 3 gig of RAM, the swap file is seemingly constantly still in use, and the apps become momentarily non-responsive and stop drawing themselves as it does task switching and virtualizing memory. Microsoft said they were going to focus on improving that in Vista, and I guess it's a little better, but to me it still really sucks. 
It's 2007, and I think it's sad that I'm impressed with a machine that multitasks well. Jeez. I won't say Macs are perfect. Far from it. And they're really not appropriate for everyone, but they're much less intrusive and way better at multitasking. But hey, you use what works for you. I really don't want to get into a flame war over OSs. That battle has been done to death. Anyway, I'm done. I just wanted to clarify a few things. Like I said, I think I was so busy trying to come up with examples, I forgot to explain them as well as I should. Thanks for listening.